The images were heartbreaking and brutal. At least three dozen migrants have died in a fire at an immigration detention center in northern Mexico near the U.S. border. Images from the scene show ambulances, firefighters... The tragedy comes as Mexican border towns have seen a dramatic increase in non-Mexican refugees trying to come into the United States. And as the Biden administration has been trying to address that influx. Today, my administration is taking several steps to stiffen enforcement for those who try to come without a legal right to stay. Earlier this year, President Biden announced a new policy for those trying to enter the U.S. This new process is orderly, it's safe, and it's humane. And it works. If implemented next month, the rule changes would make it a lot harder for people to claim asylum. If their application is denied, or if they attempt to cross into the United States unlawfully, they'll be returned back to Mexico. And will not be eligible for this. His administration hopes that this policy will cut down on the number of people trying to illegally enter the country. But critics say that Biden's plan is simply dusting off and expanding policies that President Trump put into place and that Biden once decried as racist. I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, essential news from the L.A. Times. It's Wednesday, April 5th, 2023. Today, what's behind the new asylum policy from the White House and why it probably won't stop people from trying to come into this country? Here to talk to me about all this are my LA Times colleagues, immigration reporters Andrea Castillo and Hamid Aleaziz. Andrea and Hamid, welcome to the Times. Thank you. Thanks, Gustavo. Hamid, this new policy that President Biden announced at the end of February, what does it do exactly? Yeah, it makes it so migrants who cross the border uh, without authorization will be limited from accessing asylum. If they haven't applied for asylum on their way to the U.S. border, which is pretty much everybody crossing through Mexico, they will not be given a chance to seek asylum protections. The U.S. government essentially wants people to either apply for a parole process where they have a sponsor in the U.S. who's willing to financially support them or have appointments at the ports of entry where they could seek asylum there. Those are, of course, limited, but that's the goal. This administration wants the numbers of unauthorized crossings at the southern border to go down, especially so as we look toward 2024. Andrea, so with this new policy, what do people have to do now in order to apply for asylum or enter the U.S. legally? So migrants have to first seek and be denied protection in a country that they've passed through um, in order to claim asylum at the U.S. And so at that point, they've got to schedule an appointment at a U.S. port of entry. And the way that they schedule those appointments is through the CBP-1 app. And so failing to do those things would, in most cases, actually render them ineligible for asylum. So are there any exemptions to the Biden administration's new rules on how to file for asylum? Yeah, there's a few ways people can get around it if they cross the border without authorization, if they have a medical emergency, 
if they're in a situation where they're fleeing from imminent danger. But the bar is pretty high. Essentially, most people who are crossing without authorization are not going to be able to seek asylum. And I think this is kind of a point of contention for the Biden administration. They want to say that this is not a categorical bar on asylum at the southern border, that there are these exemptions. But practically, it's going to be quite difficult. Wow. And that's the latest development in something that's been going on for decades, issues at the U.S.-Mexico border, immigration in general. So why are we seeing all these rule changes now, Hamid? Yeah, I mean, I think if you look back to the past year, the increase in crossings at the border. Illegal border crossings surged with December posting the largest number of President Biden's term. You have border towns in Texas declaring states of emergency, unable to take care of people who are crossing into the country, a homeless uh, situation in El Paso, where there were you know, migrants who had, had crossed sleeping on the streets, and the, and the mayor there was basically saying that he needed more support. We have um, a crisis on our hands, and we've been uh, really working together with our partners, whether it's the federal government, the county, and one of the things that we've said from the beginning, that this is bigger than just El Paso. And beyond there, you have Democratic mayors in New York City and Washington, D.C., calling on this administration to do more about the situation at the border and the increase in numbers. El Paso does not deserve this. Chicago, Washington, Houston, Los Angeles, New York. We expect more from our national leaders to address this issue in a real way. And ultimately, it led this administration to kind of take a rightward shift at the border. They needed to come up with an idea to limit the numbers of people crossing, somehow try to bring the numbers down. And especially so as we look toward May, when it's expected that Title 42, this policy that, you know, was activated during the Trump administration that that allowed border agents to turn back migrants quickly without giving them access to asylum, this is coming to an end. And, you know, you could see some worry that if they didn't have something in place, that there could be an even bigger increase in numbers at the border. And that could be a a disaster, quite frankly. Wait, Andrea, I thought that Title 42 ended. I mean, we had you on the podcast on The Times last April to talk about the end of Title 42. So what's happened since? Yeah, Gustavo, it's been a bit of a hurry up and wait situation. So the Biden administration's initial attempts to end Title 42 last year stalled after these Republican-led states sued the administration, and they took the case all the way to the Supreme Court. So the Supreme Court had required the Biden administration to keep Title 42 in place in the meantime, but after the administration announced that they would end the public health order related to COVID-19, which is coming up in May, the Supreme Court canceled the arguments in the case. And so, you know, the end of that health order means the end of Title 42, hence that new rule taking its place. Coming up after the break, President Biden's visit to the U.S.-Mexico border and how people are dealing with the new rule.
Hamid, President Biden visited the southern border back in January. It was his first visit during his presidency. What did he see? Yeah, it came after a year in which Republicans were really criticizing him for the high numbers at the border. President Biden is visiting the border city of El Paso, Texas today for a firsthand look at the migrant situation. And when he went there, Biden, you know, he met with local Customs and Border Protection officials and leaders uh, in the, uh, the border towns. Some 300 migrants camped out on sidewalks outside a church, chanting the good outnumber the bad. Many say they're afraid to seek formal shelter with the president's new restrictions announced last week. He basically was saying that it was good for him to see it and to dedicate more resources to the situation, and they were going to figure it out. They need a lot of resources, and we're going to get them for them. Andrea, you mentioned something about an app that the Biden administration is asking people to use if they want to go through the asylum process or try to cross over. How is it supposed to work and what's the point of it? That's right. So the CBP-1 mobile app is intended to reduce the number of illegal crossings between those ports of entry. And so migrants are supposed to register on the app and make appointments so that they can seek an exemption to Title 42 in order to request asylum at a port of entry. Of course, that requires the migrants to have a smartphone that has the ability to download the app in order to use it. And if they don't have a smartphone, then what? It's really difficult to seek asylum at that point. They have to try and find an organization that can help them, but that's really limited in rare cases. Wow. So do we know if this app has been successful in processing asylum claims? Customs and border protection numbers that were released earlier this month showed that the agency processed more than 20,000 people last month at ports of entry as exemptions to Title 42. So that's people that used the CBP-1 app. And they encountered 13% fewer people between ports of entry than they did in January. So there's been a decrease there. They also said that the weekly average number of encounters of specifically Cubans, Haitians, Nicaraguans, and Venezuelans between ports of entry has dropped by a whopping 98% since they expanded the CBP-1 app in early January. So it's obvious that it is having an impact. Yeah, we've seen in January and February, ever since the Biden administration decided to expand Title 42 to allow border agents to turn back specific populations, Venezuelans, Haitians, Cubans, and Nicaraguans. The numbers have dropped dramatically back to the point of when uh, the administration took over in 2021. Mm. So the people who are actually going through this process, what sort of issues are they facing with this? In short, it's not really working well. I spoke with some migrants who said that the app was really confusing to use, that it runs out of appointments within just a couple of minutes, Mm. that it crashes really frequently. And of course, one big issue is that it's unavailable in most languages. Right now, it's available in Spanish, English, and Haitian Creole, although I've also heard that the Haitian Creole translations can be pretty rough. Black and indigenous users who have darker skin tones were complaining as well that the facial recognition feature fails to capture their photos. So, you know, in some cases, people are spending upwards of 30 minutes just standing there with their phone up to their face trying to get it to capture their photo. 
Last month, I reported that families weren't able to get appointments altogether, which was forcing them to decide whether they were going to split up or give up their appointments that they had fought so hard to get. One guy that I spoke to was John, a Haitian migrant. At the time, he told me that he and his family were out of money and they had just returned to this shelter in Reynosa after spending $300 to travel to Laredo for an appointment. But because only he and his wife had secured appointments, they were missing one for their daughter and they were turned away. Coming up after the break... What immigration advocates are saying about the Biden administration's new policies and how it could change the situation at the border forever. Hamid, a big criticism from immigration advocates about Biden's new border rules is that, well, they sort of look like President Trump's. I mean, You mentioned the extension of Title 42. We've been talking about the new rules for when and where migrants can apply for asylum. And even beyond that, there's talks recently about reviving the detention of migrant families. To what extent, then, do Biden's rule changes reflect Trump's own policies? Yeah, I think the context here is really important. You had four years of the Trump administration where they were focused on restricting asylum in every way possible. will build the wall. Mexico is going to pay for the wall. We're going to stop drugs from coming in. The drugs are poisoning our youth. And a lot of- Video footage shows children kept behind chain-link fences while their parents are detained for trying to illegally cross the border. No more free passes. No more get-out-of-jail-free cards. They tried multiple policies, trying to bring down the numbers as much as possible at the border. We do not want to separate parents from their children. You can be sure of that. If we build a wall, we pass some legislation, we close some loopholes, we won't face these terrible choices. And an immigration attorney spent four long years dealing with his administration. And when Biden came, there was this hope, there was this relief that they were going to go back to an old process. And to see the Biden administration bring back a version of a Trump administration policy, you know, the the Trump version categorically barred asylum seekers at the border if they crossed through a third country and hadn't applied for asylum on their way to the border. And this one, like we talked about earlier, is a little bit different. But for them to see a version of this come out during Biden was incredibly discouraging. I think it's been the most vocal outcry so far from advocates during this administration. And they've said that they're going to protest it throughout its existence. It's important to note that while at the border, the Biden administration has uh, been restrictive and, and limited access to asylum and continued to use Title 42. In the interior of the country, you see that ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, there's been a more progressive approach. They're no longer taking on sanctuary cities in the public manner that they were during the Trump administration. 
And elsewhere, the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, you see a relaxing of the process to apply for visas and immigration benefits as well. This administration has gotten rid of the Muslim ban, tried to at least uh, begin to rebuild a refugee program that was dismantled under the last administration. So there's a big difference between what's happening at the border and the interior of the U.S. Andrea, how has the Biden administration responded to criticisms? Publicly, the Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas often talks about how it's up to Congress to enact lasting changes on immigration. The immigration system is fundamentally broken, a fact that everyone agrees upon. Congress must pass legislation to fix it. In the meantime, we are taking... He said that without these parole programs and other legal pathways that migrants would be vulnerable in the hands of smugglers. We are enforcing our immigration laws, including those of accountability and humanitarian relief. We are enforcing expedited removal and investigating and disrupting the smuggling and drug trafficking organizations. DHS has also defended that application, the CBP-1 app. They say that, you know, it's free, that it cuts out smugglers, that it decreases exploitation of migrants, and that it improves security and efficiency. And they say that they've worked to fix the bugs on the app. But, of course, I think the response to that would be that it hasn't come quick enough and that the app still has all of these issues. And privately, Biden administration officials acknowledge that it feels like this policy was driven by the electoral politics of the southern border and that it was disappointing to see that the politics trumping values they felt were long held. And those values being allowing asylum access regardless of the way migrants across the southern border. Finally, to the both of you, how would you place what's going on right now in the bigger context of U.S. immigration history? Because on one hand, we could say, oh, yeah, the Statue of Liberty, bring me your poor, tired, huddled masses. But we've also long severely limited migration from certain countries, both in the past and the present. So where do we place what's going on now in that bigger context? I think... Like I mentioned earlier, this new policy limiting asylum at the border is a version of a Trump policy. And while this administration says it's going to be in place for a limited amount of time, that it's not forever, you just can't imagine a situation where any Democrat for the foreseeable future will decide to go back to the way it was. If you cross the border, regardless of the way you crossed it, and you said you were seeking asylum, you would have access to protections in the U.S. You would have to go through hurdles, right? You would have to go through screenings and go through the court process, but you would have that access. It's hard to imagine that any future administration would actually say, okay, we're going to get rid of the limits of the border and place themselves into the political debate on this issue. It just seems you know, impossible. Yeah, Hamid's absolutely right. I mean, there's this tension between asylum being recognized under national and international law as this legal right, as you said, regardless of how somebody arrived to the U.S., but this is obviously a dramatic departure from that notion. Hamid and Andrea, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you. Thank you.
And that's it for this episode of The Times, essential news from the LA Times. Natalie Berendorf and Kasha Brasalian were the jefes on this episode. It was edited by Jasmina Aguilera and Mario Diaz mixed and mastered it. Our show is produced by Denise Guerra, Kasha Brasalian, David Toledo, and Ashley Brown. Our editorial assistants are Roberto Reyes and Nicholas Perez. Our fellow is Helen Lee. Our engineers are Mario Diaz, Mark Nieto, and Mike Heflin. Our executive producers are Jasmina Aguilera, Shani Hilton, and Hiba Elorbani. And our theme music is by Andrew Eatman. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back Friday with all the news and the smile. Gracias. Gracias.